Second Second Peter, Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one. And I'm going to give you my public service announcement. Okay, we're having church. <laughs> um, let me explain to you why I'm going to say what I'm going to say, and I'll say it again in the second class. There are places, I think Kansas City, um, and I may be wrong about this, this is not fake news, I'm just not always sure because there's so much coming out at once, is limiting uh, congregations of over a thousand people getting together. So um, since we're 900 short most of the time, we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty solid. Um, but I'm not going to let the governments tell me I cannot open church. That's as, it's, it's as easy as that. And let, if you're all sick, stay home, obviously. Uh, we've got, you know, dummy tube, and I'll be up here, and you can watch YouTube or something. Um, but we're having church. Uh, it's as easy as that. I, I think they've erred on the side of safety and caution, which is fine, but I think it's a huge error. And it, and I know I don't know how many people in here have been affected by the changes and things that are going on. Um, I think we're going to get to know each other, and in nine months, the population will double. So that's my personal opinion, uh, and that's and I'm allowed to have a personal opinion. <laughs> personal opinion: the shelves will not be empty of toilet paper; will be empty of diapers. So in nine months, so so so, and I think one of them, one one or two in our congregation already started that procedure. So I won't name names. So. Uh, but, but, yeah, see, so you could use diapers in lieu of, um, I don't know. The, the, and, and I'm going to, again, my opinion, my opinion, and I, I, and that's why I've got to do what I've got to do, because I think it's important for us to come together and congregate. Um, God will take care of it. If we all go home early or on his schedule, we're fine. We're going to go there at some point. It's just a matter of how. But I don't think this is as deadly as they make it because if I looked at the records, a lot of people died last week and very few from the coronavirus. But a lot of people did die. So uh, with that being said, that's as far as that public service, and I'm not downplaying anything. Um, wash your hands. Don't sneeze on people kind of thing. But don't do that ever anyway. So... Let's pray. We're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Again, I ask there, there are people within our congregation that are sick and dealing with other things other than this virus. And Father, just be with them, strengthen them, uh, bring them back to us. I know that the, this time of the year with the up and down swings of weather and uh, the coming on of spring, there's allergies, there's all sorts of things going on. And Father, just be with them. Be with those that have... Uh, been hurt by this uh, shutdown of th- different uh, things that that have been alienated or or um, lost the ability to do various things. Uh, Father, we just want your hand to be upon them. Help them find this time to search you out, to find out about you, to spend time in the Word, to spend time in the things that are necessary, such as family and and things like that. Father, again, we're blessed that we can have the the comfort of this building. To come into as uh, today's weather is a little uh, iffy and sketchy with what, with rain. Father, just again, I thank you for the blessings you bestow upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we've been studying uh, the will of man for I don't know how many. I think this is the 16th lesson. This is probably more than likely, uh, very hopefully, the last lesson. And next week in this class, we're going to start an overview of the whole Bible. Um, it will take some time, 
Um, but I think it's needed because here's what happens. I don't know if all of you know this, but in the other rooms here, our children are taking three years to go through the whole Bible. So if they're in the little class, they go through in their age group, they go through the Bible in three years, in the next class, three years. And I don't think we as adults have ever really done that. So we're going to take the first hour every Sunday and go through. I'm going to give you an overview of the overview uh, prayerfully next week. And then each week... We'll at least go through one book of the Bible. I'll try. There may be sometimes we'll go through two books and sometimes take two weeks to go through other books. So uh, my goal is uh, to go through all the books of the Bible and give you a little over a flyover kind of picture of what's going on in that book. And what's so if you decide to read Ephesians, you'll know what's going on and why you're reading Ephesians. If you decide to read Second Chronicles, you'll know what's going on in that book. Kind of get the idea what we're going to be doing. So. This morning we're going to be dealing with, we're still talking about self-control, and I believe one of the best or passages that contain the word self-control is in First Peter, Second uh, Peter, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 6. It says, in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness. But if you know anything about Bible study, we just went right into the middle of a section. And just dropped in, here's the word self-control. What does it even mean? Now, this is the same word we've been dealing with. And uh, here's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to spend time just in Second Peter chapter 1. We're going to do a, a, a word study and an understanding of what's going on. But remember, Second Peter is a letter giving old information again. In other words, Second Peter is a book of, remember this. So we're going to look at Second Peter in that light of that, and in light of all of that, self-control is a product of God's knowledge program. So it's kind of interesting if you write down, what's God's knowledge program? Um, so many of you, uh, can. We, the best way to understand that is when you became a believer, nobody inserted you into the pastorhood. You had to spend time learning and growing and understand certain concepts or certain words that were probably foreign to you. Some of you may have grown up in the church and said, I've never not heard these words. So that's another paradigm. But most of us, when we came to the Lord, had to understand certain things that Scripture had and, and certain words and certain uh, and grow in that understanding. So that's God's knowledge program. Uh, basically, what we're going to look at is this theme is what, it, what food is to the body, what food is to the body, the Word of God is to the inner man. Just think about that for a minute. How many of you have not gone with food for the last week? So we've all eaten, right? Why do we eat? Now, some of you will obviously say to me, I was hungry, or the refrigerator was there, or, you know, but we don't eat for that. We eat because our body requires nourishment to grow and to survive. So we eat for survival. How many of us, and we take in that food for nourishment, how many of us have done that same program and idea and nourished the inner man? Now, I'm going to say something. It's like this is preaching to the choir, so hang on with me. Uh, the reason I say that is because the second class is larger and, and other people come in that don't get as much of the word, but I'm not belittling that. I'm just, this is the truth. But how many of you spend time without this, in other words, not Sunday morning and not Wednesday night, but how many of you spend time in the Word yourselves? Now, I've been uh, contacted by various families in here that are spending time with their kids in the Word. Phenomenal. Okay? Uh, and some of you, 
and I know the pattern of some of you, you read through the Bible every year. That's good. Okay, that's, that's excellent. But think of the nourishment you take in in your body. You plan your meals, some of you. Some of you say these are certain things I, I want to avoid for health concerns. These are certain things I like, and I'll eat like once a month or something. Uh, some of you like a big steak, but that's not good for us older folks. We can only have a big steak whenever. Every other day for me, I'd love to, but I don't. Uh, chicken and fish seem to be my survival mode right now, okay? Uh, but everybody differs in that, but we take in food for nourishment that we need, and we require to guess what? Do it again in a few hours, unless you have Chinese food, and in Chinese food you need it another 15 minutes. So, um, I don't know. See, none of this is contagious. Don't worry about it. There's tissues in every roll. <laughs> I can see everybody going, leaving. Um, but here's the interesting if we did it this way think about this what if you were to match your food intake with your Bible intake and I would say most people would what starve to death probably right how about let's flipping it and here's what we're going to talk about this morning a little bit Uh, how about matching your Bible intake with your food intake just think about it for a minute now, many of you uh, have uh, one meal all day. That may be your plan. Uh, it's not really good. Some of you may have two meals or three meals during the day. Some of you may have two meals and a snack in between. Um, but how many of you chew and meditate and deal with God's Word on that same pattern? How many of you look at life and as things are going through life and you can recall a verse or a concept from the Word of God to that situation? Uh, how many of you uh, study something in the Bible and don't get it, and the second you're not understanding something, you want to email me or text me, or you spend time trying to research it yourself? And, and that's kind of why I've got this up this morning, because we're going to look at some things uh, and try and get a grasp of what the text actually says by learning to do some searchings on ourselves by ourselves. Now, I've, I'm going to say this before we get into this a whole lot, and then I'm going to give you an outline of chapter 1. This program costs money, okay? I'm not asking you to go get this program, but there is a program you can get on your, if you have a smartphone that is not equivalent but close enough, and it's free. So if you want to download at some point Blue Letter Bible, I I don't make any money off it, but it does have all the, if you notice up here just for a second so you know what's up here because some of you may not be familiar with it. Uh, that's the English translation of the word. That's a Strong's number. This, well, not, not in this program. It's not a Strong's number, but that is, would be equivalent to the Strong's number. Strong's was a guy that came out with a numbering system for every Greek word. So um, in Blue Letter Bible, it'll have a Strong's number. Mine has a number for this dictionary that's built into this. So different story. Um, this is the Greek word. That's the Greek transliteration of that of that word, so it makes it real easy. You could read Greek just looking right in the bottom of, on this row, which is kind of interesting because the Blue Letter Bible has the Greek word, the Greek transliterated word, and a translation of that word. And this is the part of speech it's it, it is. So boom, you got everything in your hand. So, but this translation is is what we would call the the. Uh, Non-clear Greek translation. If you were just to read it like that, it doesn't, it's not smooth. So we got, we've got to rearrange words for smooth translations. So that's why we have different translations. Now with that being said, um, don't spend time downloading it today, but if you ever need some help with the Blue Letter Bible, 
Uh, I'm sure a few of us that have used it can help you, but do get it. You, you've used it? Okay, so James is a good, James will be a good, yeah, he usually, I use it mostly on Sundays, don't you? Sometimes? Okay, so James, and James, James by doing that is verifying what I'm saying. Because he's saying, okay, because we're going to come up and I'm going to say, here's this word, and he can see that in his text, and then you look at your translation and say, those aren't, they don't jive sometimes. So we'll talk about that, especially as we get to a, a specific word here in First Peter. Uh, so let me give you the two breakdowns of this chapter that we're going to deal with. I don't think we're going to get all the way to verse 14, but I'm going to give you the two, uh, the outline basically. Verses 1 through 4 is the concept of divine asset portfolio. In other words, you have a portfolio for your spiritual needs. Here's the concepts behind it. Here's what's behind it. So verses 1 through 4 is basically that introduction to what God has willed for his kids. God has a family. We're his children. And he, and we have needs. And this is what God has done for the, us who have those needs. Uh, and basically we'll focus mostly on verse 4. Uh, the rest of that is pretty much introductory which is kind of interesting. The second part that we will deal with a little heavier is the verses 5 through 14. And these, in other words, all these things that are in verses 5 through 14 are our responsibilities because, so you can put down our responsibilities, but we have these responsibilities because God has given us certain promises. God has given us a, uh, a spiritual portfolio, and because of that spiritual portfolio, you all know what a portfolio is, right? Your assets, what you have spiritually. Uh, and because what we have spiritually, we have um, responsibilities that go along with that. And we'll see that the starting point is faith and the ending point is love. That's pretty good, you know, um, what do you call it, library. And if you start with faith and with love, everything in between is, is basically supported by those two columns. And we'll look at that. Uh, and then in verses 15, which we're not going to do anything, but just so you know, verses 15 through 21 is a reminder of where Scripture came from. What's the origin of Scripture? So um, we're not going to deal with that, but that's for your own uh, benefit that we're looking at. So let's read. We're going to read verses 1 and 2. Um, I don't have... Let me, let me just back this up for a second. I don't think we need anything but four. So. And prayerfully, you could read some of this. Um, this is the biggest font I could possibly pull up. It, to me, where I'm looking at right now, it's glaring in my face. It's huge. But up here, listen, it's like having this driver's test, eye test. Yeah, it looks like a letter. So. so verse 1 and 2 says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the right... So how did you receive that faith? By the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that basically, that's the uh, opening salutation there that you get. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord and of Jesus our Lord. So again, knowledge is important. Peter's assuming that you're reading this and you're going to gain knowledge and have knowledge. Uh, um, I titled Second Peter. I have titles in all all my different books of the Bible to help me get a reference for this. But I I put in there importance to repeat Christian truths. And the, the one of the truths here is is we have a knowledge 
and given knowledge through the word about God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Now, if I wanted you as a believer to remember anything, this is it. This is one of the greatest verses on the Christian life and what you have when you look into God's word. Uh, Now, before we get intense in this, I want you to see this because this... Now, I'm going to back up for one second. Um, This word right here, we're going to look over right here. It's epinosis. Epinosis. Now, you can just write that down right there if you want to, or you can just say knowledge. Uh, But since... Let me just show you this. This this part, EPI, is a preposition. When you see EPI, and you're using your little blue letter Bible thing, EPI, even though it's a preposition on front, it's not usually translated. It's used as an intensifier. So when you talk about uh, intensified knowledge, um, how would you translate that? Now, some people have translated full knowledge, precise knowledge, personal knowledge, um, super knowledge, uh, which would be kind of in, interesting to handle, but I look at it as all of those. Take all of those concepts and put it into that word. In other words, we we have been given in verse three, uh, and and uh, Peter's basically uh, praying that for us in a, in an interesting way. He says, "Grace to you and peace be multiplied in knowledge, in and in means in location." In this knowledge base, having full, precise, intimate knowledge. How do you get that? How do you get that? Well, some people think if you sing enough nice uh, praise songs on Sunday morning, and you're entertained, and you have a good program, you'll get some knowledge, and then the guy gets up for ten minutes and speaks about a verse, and you'll get some knowledge. I'm going to say this, and this may destroy who I am, but getting two hours or three hours of me a week is not super, getting any kind of super knowledge. You're not getting full knowledge. You're getting some knowledge, and prayerfully it's salting you to go check the word out, and prayerfully I'm upsetting you once in a while to see if you agree or disagree with me, and you search the word out. But you cannot get this kind of knowledge secondhand. It will help. You'll have more than you have without getting anything. Um, and understand this, this is the basis for our assets that are in verses 3 and 4. So let's look at 3 and 4. Uh, and one of the things I, I began to say is it's, it's, it's a fascinating thing that he says, seeing that his divine power, God's omnipotence, that's what that means, seeing that his divine power has granted, and this word, this phrase has granted, um, or has given, it says here, We'll deal with that. It's used twice in two verses. So we'll see that. So if you want to circle it in your uh, Bible text, it says, has granted in verse 3. And verse 4 says, for by these he is granted. So it's used twice, right there, and it's in, within a few words. And it's important to see that. So when we talk about these assets that we have, that he's been granted everything for us in life and godliness, what are our assets? These, now, these assets or spiritual portfolio are available to every believer. In what amount? All in the same amount. It just depends on... Uh, for instance, let, let's kind of do this. Pretend like the building is the Word of God. And to get that Word of God, you've got to plug into an outlet. 
but you're in the building doesn't mean you're plugged in. So when you have the Holy Spirit and God's Word, you have everything available for you for life and godliness, but you have to do what? Basically plug in. And plugging in means spending time hearing from Him in the Word. Uh, you're not going to get any Bible information just because you've got Bibles in your house or on your you know, dios at home or you're, you're, you use it to prop the door open or you got a nice big family Bible on the middle of the table. That's not, Having a Bible means nothing. Spending time in God's words, the importance. And these benefits that you have for life and godliness are listed in the Word. And they, listen, they're listed in the Word. You've got to get these three things because this is so cool. They're listed in the Word. They're based on the cross and they're received by faith. Okay, All these things, these benefits we have, that we have, are listed in the Word. What do we have? Let's, and Peter will give us a list. Paul gives us lists when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. But we're going to deal with Peter. Okay, They're listed in the Word. And they are based on the cross. And they're received by faith alone. You're with me so far. So do we not all have that in common? And I think that's pretty... Uh, fascinating. We should all understand we all have that in common. And these assets are given, but you have a choice to appropriate them. In other words, God said, here it is. Here's everything you have. Now take off my table. So the emphasis, since we're talking about the will of man, the emphasis that I'm trying to make this morning is will we use them or not? Will we go to our asset portfolio? And I don't know how many times in my life I've heard Christians say, I can't do this, or I'm unable to do this, I don't have this, uh, God hasn't seen fit to do this for me. And I'm saying, well, since we all have it in common, and I think you're wrong, let's see what the Word has to say. And I believe God has all give, given us all a volition or a choice, those words are inter- interchangeable, to accumulate these assets for us and use them in a the proper manner. So just... And we'll look through this list as we go through that. But what is the, look at this, and I think we need to see this. What is the source of this power right here? I mean, the source of this assets that we've been given. What is the source of our assets? Right there, divine power. Now, if you know anything about a little bit of Greek, you can see the word here in Greek. Uh, the root word would be dunamis. And dunamis, we get our word dynamite. Dynamite. That, 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 uh, if you hold a dynamite stick in your hand, you're holding a whole lot of power, and the power can be used when you what? Like the fuse. But there's a whole lot of power there. But it's not this, and I want us to see that this power is a noun, but what describes that kind of power, the adjective is divine power. So it's beyond the stick of dynamite. <laughs> it's God's power. And how much of God's power is there? Oh, and not only that, it's... Uh, the word the is in front of it, so it's really specifying the one and only type of divine power that we've been given. Now, when you tap into that, God's divine power, how would you say? Is it limited or unlimited? So if you say, I'm unable to do something in my life, and you have God's divine power enabling you, you are basically just did something the Bible doesn't allow for. You've limited God's power in your life. How's that for a lesson? Okay, we're done. See, if, if we don't understand what God's given us, and that God says, use this, and it's based on God's power, that's the source of, the very source of it, uh, and, uh, and we, we understand that it says the divine power, because the reason I say that is because, remember, this is written in Greek, 
And Zeus, for instance, was considered theos. He was, he was divine. Now, I wouldn't equate Zeus with God, would you? No, no, they're not in the same board. So what Peter does to distinguish God is put the specifier in there, the divine power. That's not Zeus, that's God. Okay? Uh, and it's a characteristic... Now think about this. When we talk about God's characteristics, God's attributes, this does this is singled out, but it's not alone. Because you can't take one attribute away from God and say, this is God, and say, God has the, the divine power. But it is telling you that um, this divine, omnipotent power, uh, that dunamis, that, that, and let's do it this way. God's power is inherent to him, right? God doesn't have to stir up more power. God doesn't have to find a workout program so he can be more powerful. God innately is omnipotent and all-powerful. Kind of get what I'm saying? So let's put that in that package and understand that that when we take and understand that God's infinite, um, absolute omnipotence is available to us and God never changes so that power never decreases or increases and that's available to us, and that source is basically, let's put it this way, the source, instead of the divine power, let's put it down like this, God's absolute, infinite, inherent power that's also incomprehensible, that can fully never be understood, but is available to us at all times. Kind of get how, how marvelous that is? Now remember, this is Peter the fisherman that's writing this. And if you ever read First Peter, you say, that's a fisherman? So Peter has some uh, interesting insights that he develops and how he phrases this knowing that the Holy Spirit is working within him to do these things. And the, what's the nature of these assets? So we see the source is divine power. But he has given us, so I'm going to just move this up just a little bit so we can see this. Now this... Um, and let's just back up for a second. Seeing that his divine power, that's the source, has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. And you can see in the Greek word order, um, life and godliness comes before having, give, having given, because again, we're dealing with Greek word order. But uh, what I want to point out is this word having given is a bestowment. He's, he's bestowed upon us. Uh, and it's only used three times in the Greek, uh, but I want you to see this. If you can pull this out, you can see the root word is, well, let's just do this. Let's make it easy. I'm going to show you this through this. Uh, so this is the root word right here. I don't know if you can see it. Doreomai. And it means to give, present, present, or bestow. So we could say this is a bestowment upon us. And those are the three times it's used. And notice it's used in first, Second Peter 1, 3, and 1, 4. So we have two uses of it in the same place. And we're going to say, why is he doing that? What's the, what's the necessity of telling us that? And, and that's not going to help us right there. So I want to just go back up here. So when we talk about that idea, uh, we got to understand that what is the bestowment upon us? He's already he's he says, seeing that his divine power has bestowed upon us, what? What is the bestowment? God's grace. That's the major bestowment because we see it, the verse before it. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Uh, which is fascinating because if you would say, God gave me something, 
This is not the right word for gave. Dinamai is the word for gave. This is not the same word. And it's, it's interesting because when we look at the understanding of Doreo, the root of this, uh, here's the root, Doreo, the root of that word, it's, it's, it's a strong word for open hand generosity. God is giving abundantly to us. He's all powerful. He's basically, uh, giving us, giving us everything that we need, uh, as a bestowment. Which is not needed to ask for. He's, Peter's not saying pray for this. This is what's given to you. This is what you have at your bestowment at any moment. You have, uh, think about this for a minute. As a believer, this is what you have. This is what you have. If you open up your bank account one day and somebody would, would have dropped some money in it and you say, well, that's not how much money I have. Somebody dumped a huge bestowment upon me. How grateful would you be? And you'd say, this is what I have. And this is what, when we open up Second Peter, we're looking at what we have. Rick? At the moment of salvation, moment of salvation yes. There's, there's nothing we have to do to get this. We have to do something different. We have to know what we have and appropriate it. That's the difference. Um, and and that's why I think it's often when, when uh, wrong when believers today look for certain things to enhance what they have to do uh, outside of the word for life and godliness. When when inside the word everything's given to us for life and godliness. Uh, the issue is, do we wish to use them? That's the issue. It's not if we have them. Uh, you know, if you look in your life and you've borrowed something from somebody because you don't have it and you want to get something done in your house, I have a uh, water pressure cleaner. And once in a while, people ask me to borrow it because they're not, you know, not everybody owns one of those things. And I say, be careful because if you do wood and you spray the water pressure thing into the wood, you're basically killing your wood because you're going to inject water into it. So you got to be careful how you pressure clean but concrete knock knock the socks off concrete i don't care um and please don't use it on your car because if you're using the wrong pressure your paint will leave the car because there's certain things it does but what i'm saying is they don't have it so they borrow it we don't have to go into the christian life and say what do i need to borrow to get through this this is what you have it's your choice to use it kind of get the point i'm trying to trying to make an awful analogy to get across <laughs> um so this again is an appeal that that's to our volition because he says, let's go back here, having given, and since it's in the perfect tense, there's not a time you don't have it. You'll have it. It's been given to you. Uh, so if you were to write down, spend some time one day in your finances and say, here's what's in my savings, here's what's in my checking, here's what's in my CD, here's what's in this, and you could write zeros if you want. We're all good at that. But then go to the other side of the page and write down your spiritual portfolio of assets. We're going to go through those, and these are what you have, which are so much better anyway. Um, that way you can get through the coronavirus and smile. That way you can go through Ebola and smile. SARS, smile. Swine flu, smile. Whatever else comes up next. Uh, the, the stock market going to zero or whatever happens, you'll all be fine. Um, because... We don't live for it in the here and now and here. These things, these circumstances of life should never affect us because we have a divine portfolio that's good for life and godliness. You know what the root of godliness is? Worship. 
So as people, as believers, we have every right to worship God through what? Our life. What we're doing in life. And, and notice what it says here um, as we go through this. Um, what is the scope of our assets? Um, so it's granted us everything. See that word everything? Um, let's see if I can... It's so big here. It's this word up here. And see where it's placed in the sentence? It's at the start of the sentence. We have it, what, like fifth in the sentence. Uh, it's it's not given a super emphasis because it's only an adjective, but I'm... But notice it says, as the all things. What are you lacking in the Christian life? And it says, we have what? All things given to us. All things have been bestowed upon us. Everything. So we can't say, okay, I lack this in my spiritual life. I lack this as a believer. I la- I'm lacking in this. What we need to do, ready for this? This is called guilt 101. We need to be satisfied with what God has provided already. And without knowledge of what He's provided, there can't be any satisfaction. Um, we have to rest upon what God has given us, see what God has given us, and... Which is fascinating, because God, if God's given us these... Let, let's think through this for a minute. If God's provided all these things for us, which one is bad? Which one is not usable? Which one uh, is too hard or difficult for us to apply to our lives? None! Because God has, through His... He's given us, through His divine... The divine power, all things, for life and godliness. So we're not lacking in anything. Uh, James will say it a different. I think it's James. If you lack, yeah. If you lack wisdom, what? Preferred. Because why? It's available. Um, but how does that wisdom come with living life? Um, now, what what is the use of these assets? What are the use of these assets? And we can see that. Let me pull it up just a little bit. It's for. And this is why Greek is hard sometimes. It's, it's really easy, but it's hard because we don't use wor- words. We, we erase words from English because it doesn't make sense. If you notice in your English translation, it says, gave us everything pertaining to life and godliness, and it leaves out um, the word the there and it's specifying these things are for the life and the godliness. And two means uh, facing, facing that direction. We're to face in life... Um, we're to face... Life and godliness through true knowledge. That's how we're going to do, do these things. Uh, let's just look at this for a minute. The word life, there's different words for life. Most of you are alive this morning. I see that. You're functional. You're having coffee. Some of your eyes are still open. We're doing good. Um, so that's, that's bio life, but where we get biology from, bio, right? You're all living. You're all functional. Uh, when bio stops, you go, you go, to, etern- you go to eternity, right? But this is Zoe, Z-O-E. Um, it's it's in its form here as an accusative, but it's Z-O-E. Z-O-E is the, is the root to that, and Z-O-E basically, uh, full life, the fullest sense of life, uh, living life as if you're in eternal life now. Because what we've been given, what as believers we have, what eternal life. When does that start? Rick asked a question a few minutes ago. When when does that start? Does it start at salvation? And the answer is. 
Eternal life starts at salvation. Uh, and I know this isn't the finality of it. This isn't the ultimate of it. Because if this is it, we've been ripped off. Right? But there is a finality to it. But eternal life, we're going to... Basically, how do you live out eternal life? How do you live this life living out eternal life? Uh, Paul likes to call life... Paul calls life like this, the glory. Living in the glory. That you're living in the fullness of life. Uh, you can look that up in Colossians 3, 4 at another time. So we got life. We, we got Eusebia. See, the root here is Eusebia. Take off the end because also it's accusative. Uh, it makes it easy so you know. But that's the root, Eusebia. And Eusebia means you, E-U. See the E-U on the front? You means well. So when we, or good. So when we have uh, Evangelium, we have what? The good news. Here we have good what? Uh, CBS to worship. So we have good or right worship. God is giving us everything. Listen, this is where we're at. God has given us everything to worship in the right manner, the proper manner, to be a proper Christian with the proper attitudes, the proper conduct. And we're going to look at Peter. What I believe Peter's talking about is faith in shoe leather. Look at chapter 3, verse 11. 2 Peter 3:11. Because he uses this word also here in verse 11. 2 Peter 3.11. A fascinating verse. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you be to be in holy conduct and godliness? So as believers, how are we to be in holy conduct and godliness? How are we to uh, walk straight and worship right? I think is the best way. How, what is our, and I think the best way to translate godliness is what is our worship, our godly conduct? What is our godly conduct? Does it bring glory to God? It is, is it our form of worship? Do you realize, um, I don't know how many churches say it. I haven't done a survey, but a lot of churches say, you know, first, you know, 9.30 is Sunday school, 10.30 will be what? Worship service. And what's the difference between both services. Well, they consider worship service usually what? Nope. Singing. Singing and lively sometimes. But they, they consider it, we've added the word, the time of singing. And I don't know if I can find that in Scripture. I'm not trying to belittle anybody, but I don't know if singing, uh, praise songs or even hymns is worship. Which is fascinating because part of our worship is also giving, also praying, also also just being the kind of people that God wants us to be in public, not in the building. Uh, that's all. That's all parts of worship. But I think the best way to say worship and understanding it in this idea of godliness, of this idea of godliness, is when we take our faith and put shoe leather to it and go out with it. And how is it done? Well, Peter's going to tell us how to do that. So he's going to tell us how to use our assets. How do we dip into our spiritual portfolio? How do we dip into it and use it? Because a portfolio is no good if you just say, I have this, and I don't use this. Um, it, but it's not a matter if you don't use it, you'll lose it. But why not use it if you have it? And I think that's important. It says, it says in same verse, we're in verse 3, through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Now, I know this is crazy, but this is called 
Greek 101. This you know what's more, one of the most important things in the Greek language? A preposition. A preposition. So we have a preposition here. It's, it's D here, but it's really dia in the, in the right form. So if you're writing it down, D-I-A. And dia basically means by means of or through. So he's saying, how do we use, how do we dip in our, our, our uh, or, or what's the channel? Dia has given us the channel of dipping into that spiritual for, for portfolio. How do we dip into it? Through true knowledge. We come through, it says right there, through the true knowledge of him. Not a partial knowledge, just not a knowing of something or some facts, but a true knowledge. Um, I don't know, I'm, gonna, I'm not questioning Jack per se or, or Bobby, but when I took one of my first classes in, in seminary was, guess what? Theology proper. Anybody know what theology proper is? The study of God. The study of God. Because if you want to know who you're serving, get some knowledge about God. What's the true knowledge about God? So you go through his uh, characteristics or attributes and know who God is and know God. One of the main things about God, God doesn't change. God's immutable. We already said one already this morning, God's omnipotent. God's omniscient. We go through all his... And say, here's the, the attribute package of God. God, what? He's not singularly this. Uh, today's emphasis on God is God is love. Right? I mean, one of the things we hear is how much God loves you. No matter who you are, God loves you. But we forget that God is also what? Just. And the justifier. So we go through all his divine attributes so because we, so we want to get to know God and, and understand that. So we would say there's a divine side and a human side to these verses. The, the human side basically says we have to have knowledge of him. In verse 4, we'll look at he gave us some precious and magnificent promises. So we got to know what those are. So we have to have knowledge of him. The divine side, he's called us by his glory and excellence. God has called us by his glory, his uh, splendor and excellence. Um, which is kind of interesting because if you have the New American Standard Bible like I do, the side column gives you an understanding of excellence by his virtue. Or I would say by his moral excellence because God is morally what? Perfect again. So God has a reason he's called us. So we've, we've kind of looked, let's go through what we've looked at so far. We looked at the source of our assets, which is God. We've looked at the nature or basis for our assets, that God has given us a bestowment. We've looked at the scope of our assets. He's given us all things, and we're on one verse. Isn't this great? We've looked at what uh, what is the use of our asset, assets. It's to it pertains to life and godliness. Now we're going to look real briefly at what is the expression of these assets. They are granted to us, to us, His precious and magnificent promises. So we're in verse four now. Verse four. Well. Did I go to, okay, verse 3, there was, uh, I, there was Dia, I, I went to verse 4, so you can could, could see verse 3 has Dia, and verse 4 starts out with the same word, sorry, um, it's hard to see, it's so big on my screen, I'm used to looking at normal vision for people, so, um, so when we look at these things, the key, the key here would be knowing him is accomplished, by knowing his promises. 
Now, God has made, I don't know how many promises in the Bible. I have a little book that calls, it's called The Promises of God in the Bible. I don't know if it's complete. I haven't gone through every one of them and said, okay, he's missing, the author of this is missing one. But I believe most uh, Christians do not know what God has promised. And they want to just look at some of the Old Testament promises and say, that's all God has promised. And most of those promises are to the Jewish people. And I go, well, you're missing a whole lot of promises. Uh, th- this is how God expresses what we have by making promises to us. Now, I'm going to say something, again, repetitive. God is a promise keeper. And he could do that because why? He's the Theos, the God. He can keep his promises. And when God expresses to us what we have by these promises, I think it would be really good of us to know what the promises are. And these promises flow out of, and this is what we have wrong with these verses. Uh, we got verse breaks, so chapter verse 3 and 4 seem to be a break, but 3 and 4 go together, because... Um, doesn't doesn't show it here, but um, as as we're combining these two verses and looking at these two verses, we've got to go back and say, God has given us promises by what means? Based on His glorious character. He's He's what? For the end of verse three says, by His own glory and excellence. He and verse four should pick up. For, for, uh, he has granted to us His promises. Uh, so verse 3 would basically say, out of God's glorious and good disposition, He gave us promises from 3 to 4. That's that's a better way to, to translate that. So out of God's glorious, good disposition, He gave us promises. So God's given us promises. Can you name any of them? And we're going to look at uh, what these promises mean. And how good is God's promise? How good is the promiser? Now, I'm, I know many of you have really good intentions, but a lot of you over the last couple of years have promised things, and how many of you failed to meet every one of your promises? Okay, those of you that didn't raise your hand are all lying. <laughs> okay, we, we, we do, we make promises, and sometimes flippantly we make promises, and we can't do that well. I, and we'll say things like, well, I'll try to keep my promises. Then why make a promise? We talked about that. Just say, I'd like to do this. Uh, and, and sometimes you can and sometimes you can't. Uh, now remember, the promise, the promise given is no, no better than the promiser giving it. Does that make sense to anybody? Because uh, all of us have different levels of, of making a promise to somebody. And the worst thing to do is promise something to a little kid and not come through because they remember. Kids have great memories, especially if you say something. Hey, if you by the end of the day, if it's a really good day and we have a few moments, we're going to go get ice cream. And if you forget, that kid will be sharp enough to say, hey, it's the end of the day, you're heading home. Where's our ice cream? Because they're going to do ice cream for ice cream, okay? And you've promised it. And you're a horrible human being because you didn't come through. And they will uh, inevitably, for the next 20 minutes, don't like you, Okay? But God is a promiser, and, and, and as we look at the ability to make promises, first of all, we can, uh, it can change our mind. Most people are allowed to change their mind. Most people are allowed to, to uh, uh, once in a while, say something that they don't really mean, and we can call it a little white lie or whatever. 
I really meant saying you can have ice cream so you'll shut up for five minutes in the car. You know, and that worked. For the, you were quiet. Now you're going to get the ice cream, but I'm not going to really give it because never was thinking about doing it in the first place. Uh, how about controlling of circumstances? Can you control all these circumstances in your environment to make sure that promise comes through? That's hard. But since God can't lie, and God can't change, and God can control all circumstances, he can, he can make a promise that will be a promise, and that's why Peter says here, it's just not a promise. He puts modifiers with it. He says it's they're precious and they're magnificent because God makes the promise. And why does he make the promise? In order that we might be partakers of the divine nature. God has given us ability to partake in his nature. That's his prom- why his promises are given to us. And in a legal sense, the next sentence says, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So God has given us this so we can escape the world's corruption due to man's lust that is not corrected by God's word. We are escapees because of God's promise. Now, that's a lot of doctrine we've dealt with this morning and haven't even got into the portfolio. So I guess we will do one more week in this and then deal with uh, the next classes starting on the overview one more week because I want to go through our portfolio because once you go through this, you'll really be astounded about what we have. So stay tuned for next week about what this portfolio involves that is given to us based upon God's what? promises his great and magnificent and precious promises right let's pray father we thank you for this time as we've looked into second peter and and had a glimpse into what you've given to us as believers that we fail to often tap into father we thank you for this uh, wonderful abundance you've given us to live out life and godliness in today's environment tomorrow's environment whatever the future holds father again we thank you for who you are in jesus name amen